It's been a week since Kane's squad fought Astaroth. They decided it was best to set up camp and rest. Kane hated to admit it, but despite being the fastest healer of the bunch, he was the one who needed the break most. After maybe a day of watching Longinus lumber about and set up campfire after campfire, Kane gets jealous and decides he'll contribute. Kane tries chopping some wood. He's doing it one-handed, which is more impressive than Longinus's arguably more effective two-handed style. Maybe Kane should come up with a ghost story for tonight. Longinus always tells one during the bonfire and it seems like the others enjoy it. It'd be pretty cool if Kane could scare Mary. Yeah, if he told her about any of his grave encounters, she might get scared enough to cling to him. Wait, that wouldn't work. By virtue of being alive, Mary will already know how all of Kane's stories turn out. Mr. Kane? Huh? Kane yelps and almost drops the axe. Mary, I didn't hear you coming. What's up? Mary looks at Adam, who she has cradled in her arms like always. She smiles and giggles with the baby as though the two of them were in on some sort of joke. <laughs> Still jittery from last night's ghost story? No way. As if. I fought demons. Literal demons. Why would a ghost story scare me? Because it's the one problem you can't stab to death, Mr. Kane. What? Yeah, you can't stab a ghost. Your sword would phase right through. And if there's one thing I've learned from all our time together, it's that you have a hard time dealing with problems you can't just stab to death. I sure as hell can. I sure as hell can stab a ghost. I've done it before. Lots of... They look away from one another and sigh. Mary's the first to speak up. Mm-hmm. What... Would you like to try this again? Do you... Of course. I'm sorry. Mary brings Adam up onto her shoulder and does a little pivot when she walks over to Kane. Hiya, Mr. Kane. Chopping some wood? You know it, Mary. Kane chops that wood. Chops it good. How about you? You chopping some wood? That was so stupid. You wanna... Chop some wood? Almost. With me. Chop some wood. With. Me. Nailed it. No, I'll pass. Looks fun, though. Mary watches Kane cleave through another plank of wood. Uh, say, you look like you could use a drink. Adam and I whipped up some lemonade. Wanna try it? What? Kane narrows his eyes. How could a baby make lemonade? He's curious. Yeah, I'll, uh, take some. Giggling, Mary <laughs> skips away and returns seconds later with a cup full of clear yellowish water. She gives it to him and he drinks it. Holy hell, it's good. He knew Mary could probably make it, but he didn't expect this out of Adam. Whoa, that's good. Like, really good. Like, it looks kind of like piss. But it tastes like the opposite of piss. Uh, thank you? No, thank you. Kane nods to Mary, then looks down at Adam. And you too. He bops his nose. You, little lemonade maker, you. Adam cries, screams, hollers, throws his head back and howls at the top of his little lungs. Right, my mark. That's right, 
Kane had almost forgotten since it's been so long. Mary rocks Adam until he stops crying, then gives Kane a weak smile and mouths, Sorry. <laughs> Where's my drink? Longinus calls over as he and Judas approach Kane's chopping corner. Longinus had been slaving over the fire, cooking up some game they'd hunted earlier that morning. Well, by they, he means Longinus and Judas. He was told to stay back on account of him having one arm and all. Yeah, us hunting men are parched. Judas says as he slides in and snatches the cup from Kane. He finishes off the lemonade and exhales. <sighs> yeah, pretty good, but um, doesn't have much of an edge. Edge? Because it's lemonade. Kane explains, snatching the cup back. Lemonade can be spiked. Adam would never do that. Uh, what? Lemonade is good, Longinus says, looking to Mary. He then cranes his neck in Kane's direction and grins. But liquor is quicker. How's about it, Mare Bear? You can liven up our drinks, yeah? Kane eyes Mary and she shrugs. Um, I, uh, I could, technically. Jesus did teach me an offshoot of his wine transmutation spell. So I could raise the alcohol percentage of any liquid by about- Yes! You hear that, Kay? I'm taking you down. Round three of the Mighty Shit Face Off is about to begin! Mighty what now? Ignore him. It's a stupid game he plays with me whenever we're Neffles. He tries to outdrink me, but still doesn't understand that I can't get drunk. No matter how much I want to. Not believing it till I see it with my own two eyes, Kay. Longinus says while dancing and filling up canteens with water from a nearby creek. <laughs> it's funny because he's blind. Judas kicks over the log Kane was preparing to cut and sits on it. Hey, I was chopping that! Judas rolls his eyes. Think we got that covered. He motions to the Longinus-sized pile of wood Longinus chopped down earlier. Uh, besides, you know, my dogs are barking from being out in the field and I'm itching for a cold one. Am I right, my fellow guys? Judas, you be the judge. What? I'm always the judge. I want a drink. Are you even old enough to do that? Hey, I might look little, but I'm a man. Go on, tell him. He's definitely a man. Um, clearly. That wasn't very convincing. Uh, well... This is bull! Back in my day, I was the legal drinking age. Plus, isn't Mary, like, the same age as me? I'm sure you'd let her join. I'm sure hearing a lot of not setting up the judges' table. This sounds like fun. I want to play too. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you don't. Do, too. Longinus offers the containers to Mary so that she can convert the water into alcohol. Sighing, Mary does what's expected. She places her fingers on the aluminum bottles and after a small incantation, she pulls away. Longinus pops open one of the bottles, takes a whiff, and lurches away. A satisfied grin comes to his face as he offers it to Judas, who sniffs it and dry heaves. Man, can't you make anything better? I'd prefer a Bloody Mary. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Judas, that's gross. What? Uh, no, 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 I, I didn't. <laughs> oh, that was nasty. Uh, sorry? 
A soft humming gets Kane's attention. Mary's plucked several halos from her headband and uses magic to keep them afloat before her. One by one, she fills each halo with water from the canteens. The water doesn't fall through the halo, so chances are it's in another one of those pocket dimensions she's so good at making. Mary flicks the halos and they hover over to the min. Longinus grabs his first. Then comes Judas and after a long sigh, Cain does too. Last is Mary, who eyes her drink for a bit before picking it up. She sniffs the rim, pulls away, and after a deep sigh of her own, bounces. Cain looks away at the first sign of a jiggle. Bottoms up, boys. Mary goes to drink, but Longinus grabs her hand, stopping her. Uh, hey, Marebear, maybe we should figure out a sitter for Adam. You're usually on the ball about this stuff. Kinda irresponsible to start downing drinks while holding Adam. Um, Mr. Kane can't get drunk. I think he'd make the perfect sitter. Uh, what? 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 And if Kane can't do it, we always have Neville. Mary says, pointing to the trunk of their limousine. There's a loud thumping coming from inside. It'll be fine. Just have faith. Have faith, she says. Kane groans and rocks the crying baby in his arms. It'll be fine, she says. Kane lowers his head and Adam gets a handful of his hair. He yanks on it. Damn, his grip is strong for a kid. Wow, Kane's actually kinda proud. That faith Mary wanted Kane to have dwindles when he looks up at the sight before him. Judas hunched over, hands on his knees and lurching as though he could lose it at any second. Longinus looms over him, swaying, a wide smile on his blushing face. Mary's not much better. She's leaning against a nearby tree, giggling to herself. Oh god, is it always like this? Oh, why would anyone do this to themselves? I'd... I'd rather hang myself again. Miss <laughs> Merbear, she's like an angel. Longinus flaps his hands as though they were wings. It takes a lot more to get her drunk, so thanks to her, we are. <laughs> he holds up a finger. Messed up pretty bad. <laughs> yep. Judas can't reply on account of the dry heaving. You know, Judas, if you were a bit older... Longinus puts a hand on Judas's back. Don't. And a lot less of a little shit. Longinus holds up a finger, shakes his head, and smacks his lips. And you knew when to shut the hell up. You don't say it, old man. Don't bleed you try. <laughs> okay, chill. I was just saying you'd find a girlfriend if you stop with all the posturing. You're better than that. No, I'm not- <laughs> Judas vomits and Longinus is there to hold back his hair. Mary plods over. Red burns her cheeks, her shining emerald eyes flash pink, and her dark hair lightens to white before fading back to black. Seems like she's having a hard time keeping her disguise up in this state. Oh no! Mary says, grasping and pointing at the spew messing Judas's shoes. You've dropped your drinks! <laughs> now you gotta drink it all over again. Now, Mary Bear, hold on. Longinus says, but Mary spins, shutting him up. I'll get us another round. <laughs> she takes a step, stumbles, and Cain feels his stomach tighten. Large wings sprout from Mary's back, and she flaps them once to steady herself. Whoopsie! 
Another flap and she stops again, but this time doesn't fall. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I feel tingly inside. <laughs> What's going on? The tickling is going from my belly all the way down to my... Mary runs her fingers along her taut tummy and towards her crotch. Stop! Kane jumps up and holds Adam tight to his chest. Piss! You gotta piss! Her divinity must be all turned around and she can't break down what's inside of her so effortlessly, so she's gotta make like mortals do and get rid of waste the old-fashioned way. Piss? Oh, tinkle! Like Adam does. Yes! Like Adam! Now please, go piss! <laughs> can't I just go right here? Or... Do you not want to change me, Mr. Kane? Hmm. A spike in Kane's blood pressure leaves his mouth gaped. Just kidding. Marmar is a big girl. I. I got this, dude. Mary does a double pistol point at Kane and makes shooting noises with her fingers. Uh, uh, I'm a. Mark my territory. See you, sissies, in a bit. Mary leaves to find a tree, and that little bit becomes a long bit to someone like Kane. Adam's crying grows louder by the second, and Kane wonders if it's got anything to do with his own anxiousness at Mary's absence. Where is she? Tinkling, remember? <laughs> Neffel says, and Kane peers over at the restrained incubus who sits on a log across from him. Kane let him out because he wanted to talk to someone who wasn't drunk or a baby. However, upon seeing him, Kane immediately realized he doesn't like talking to people, especially demon type people. The baby sure is crying a lot. Let me hold him. No, I'm not untying you. I'm not letting you get away. Not until I get some answers about Astaroth and the assassination. Hey, listen. You make it sound like I wanted you guys dead. That's not it. It's because you guys are so good at what you do, it was only a matter of time before you found Astaroth. Then, it was only a matter of time before she... Kicked our keisters. Yeah! And then, Paimon would have totally gotten the truth out of you, and that would have come back to me! And unlike with you guys, Asti probably wouldn't take a moral high ground when it comes to doing me in. You know the only reason you're alive right now is because Mary doesn't want me to kill you. Ah, That's so sweet of Mama Milk Duds. She'd rather book you on a psychopomp charge. Which will run you what? Four or five decades in the wrath circle of hell? They'd eat your cute little ass up down there. <gasps> oh, you think my little ass is cute! Not quite the reaction Kane was going for. The prospect of incarceration didn't seem to scare Neffel at all. Right. Kane has to remember that without the Rainbow Bridge, travel between realms isn't so easy. So the chances of Neffel ever making it to Eden for a trial, or to Hell for a sentence, are slim. About as likely as Kane getting his own curse lifted. I'm gonna go check on her. You're gonna watch her pee? I knew you were a kingster, Mr. Kane. Neffel says, but Kane ignores him and follows the path Mary set out on. Adam cries every step of the way. Kane looks down at the baby, red in the face and wet with tears and snot. How could it keep this up for so long? Even Kane has to take a break from his own brooding from time to time. Hey, come on, kid. Can't you shut up a little? Kane comes to a stop when he realizes that someone other than Adam is crying. 
there's a softer sobbing coming from behind a tree to Kane's right. He follows the sound and finds Mary, hair white and eyes pink, bawling her eyes out. Mary? Kane approaches, which is weird for him. He crouches down on a knee and gets in close to her, more so that he can get Adam to her. At least, that's what he tells himself. Oh, Mr. Kane. Mary wipes her eyes and tries to smile. Um, I'm sorry. I must have gotten lost. Uh, thanks for finding me. Cut the act. You're not all ditzy. Not all the time, at least. You needed some space, I get that. You don't always have to lie for my sake, Mary. He looks at Adam, who's hushed in favor of reaching for his teary-eyed mother. I'm not a baby. I can take whatever you dish out. It's you feel. Mary says, taking her baby from Kane and pulling him into a kiss-filled embrace. My name's you feel. I see. Sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. If you prefer Mary, you can... I prefer you. Kane's cheeks burn as though he were as drunk as the rest of them. What I mean is, however you are, like, the real you, that's what I like. I mean... Anxiety swells up in him like it's a gas, and he feels so bloated and heavy that he can't move. Not without her permission, at least. Can I sit? Of course. You feel makes room for Kane. When he sits down, Adam starts crying. But it isn't for long as you feels there to rock him to sleep. You make it look easy. Unless you're using some kind of angel magic to do it. Can't be so sure with you. <laughs> no magic. It's just love. So, an archangel, huh? Well, I'm more of a cadet, really. I got promoted last minute when they needed more hands on Midgard during the apocalypse. I'm actually from the Guardian Angel Squadron. I see. Well, that's good. Cause I hate the Archangels. No offense. You seem cool, but the rest of them are assholes. Like, I still remember that really big guy. Michael? Yeah, him. He looked like a douchebag, acted like a douchebag, and if I'm putting everything together right, he trained a douchebag. Hey. <laughs> I'm talking about Asriel. Asriel's... no, you're right. He's kind of a butt. Douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> real's not all bad. He tried to kill me. Not all bad. You're not all bad either, Kane. Kane's chest and throat grow tighter together. He says the first thing that comes to mind out of fear he won't be able to speak if these feelings continue. Why were you crying? You feel exhales. A sweet, somber little smile comes to her beautiful face. She's even more perfect now than when he met her, as one might expect of an angel illuminated by moonlight. Because I'm stupid. I'm not experienced like the other Archangels, and it shows. I don't even know what I hope to accomplish lying to you guys. Even after you opened up your hearts to Adam and I, I wanted to help you, Kane. Really, but it feels like I only made your life harder. I'm a terrible guardian angel. A shiver builds in Yufiel's shoulders. Maybe it's because she's sad, 
Maybe she's going to cry again, but Adam's shivering too. A light breeze blows by and Kane takes a chance. He wraps his one arm around Euphil and Adam and brings them in close. He's larger than both of them, so it's easy to get them underneath his arm and beneath his jacket. Kane's face feels like it's on fire, as does his chest and even his throat, but he doesn't let go. That isn't true. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me, you feel. All my life, I've been a murderer. Nothing has ever made me feel like I can be anything else. I, I hated myself for killing. Hated the archangels for judging me. Hated others for fearing me. I hated and hated and hated. That's all I could do. As much as he fears her, Cain looks down to see Euphil and finds her staring up at him. There's this hopeful look to her bright magenta eyes that jerks everything out of him. Thanks to you and Adam, I don't think that has to be the case anymore. I feel like I can do so much more than kill. Sure, I'll hurt people, always will. But it won't always have to be out of hate. Not anymore. You gave me something to protect. You made me something more than a monster. You've given me the chance to be a guardian too. Mary or not, you feel or not, angel or not, I don't care what you do or who you are. I love you. I love you so much. I don't know what I would do with myself. Cain, I... And I'll keep loving you. Even if you love Asriel, even if you love Jesus, I'll get you to a safe haven. And even if he turns me away, I'll still stand guard, because I can't fight on anymore if it's not for you and Adam. What should he do? What should he do? Is she still drunk? How does being drunk work? Does she understand what he's saying? Will she remember his words? Can he get through to her? I'll become something for you. I want to do whatever it takes to stay by your side. So guide me. Please. Make me better. Why now? Why is it bubbling up? Why can't he stop it? Is this what Adam feels like all the time? Because Cain can't keep himself from crying. Please. I want to forgive myself. I want to make it up to him. For Mom. For Dad. For Abel. For Adam. And for you. Please. Euphil embraces Cain. She wraps her arms around his head and he feels even more like Adam. He tucks his head into her bosom, right across from her son. He wonders if his tears are cold to her, because they're so warm to him. Uh, you need me that much, huh? Euphil speaks in a sweet tone that forces even more tears out of Cain. It's the same kind of tone he remembers his own mother, Eve, speaking in. Well, if that's the case, then I can't just abandon you, can I? I wouldn't be a very good guardian angel if I did that. So you'll stay with me at Jesus's? And you'll only fight if it's to protect what you love? 
Unable to speak, Kane nods in her grasp. Then I think I love you too. I love you, Kane. Using the only arm he has, Kane grasps Mary's thin waist and pulls her so close there isn't a breath between them. Kane? When she speaks, Kane notices just how pink and soft Yufiel's lips look. Do you want to kiss me? More than anything. Yufiel closes her eyes, tilts her head back, and puckers her lips. Fear nearly shackles him. But Kane fights just as he did against Asriel's bindings. Their lips meet and she's so much softer than he imagined. It's like she's made of air that fills him and cools the heat in his heart. He runs his fingers through that beautiful white hair of hers and she returns the favor, all while cradling Adam in her other arm. This is the closest Kane's been to Adam without him crying. There's nothing that could ruin this moment the greatest moment in Kane's life. Something wet yet solid and bitter gushes into Kane's mouth. Once wasn't enough, and Yufiel vomits all over Kane once again. You're sure this is the place? Longinus asks, turning the wheel and getting the limousine around a rusted car in the middle of the road. Of course! Why would I lie to you? Why wouldn't you lie to us? I'd lie to us. Are you ready, Mr. Kane? I bet you're excited. Oh yeah. Psyched. So psyched. Kane's not psyched. He's been dreading this meeting for the better part of a week now. He was happy that he and Yufiel were finally kind of an item, maybe. But making good on his promise to get them to Jesus' safe haven proved harder than they thought. For starters, Yufiel herself had no idea where this apartment was, as she'd only heard of the safe haven through word of mouth, which led to them having to plot a course based on details she'd heard secondhand, and information Neffel acquired from the patrons at his bar, which was the only reason Neffel wasn't tucked away in the trunk. The thing that left Kane most uncomfortable was that he hadn't exactly told Longinus or Judas his plan to stay with Yufiel. They're his friends, he's sure that they'd be more than happy hanging up their weapons and settling down. Kane snaps back to attention midway through a conversation between the others. Apparently, he wasn't the only one who wasn't psyched. Neither Longinus nor Judas seemed particularly keen on the idea of seeing Jesus again after all this time. What? Yufiel squints at the men. Don't you want to see him? Eh, it'd be too awkward. Last time I saw him, he ended up meeting Longinus, if you catch my drift. Yeah, no, not trying to deal with that today. I'm with you. I'm still using the spear I stabbed him with. Is that weird? Seems weird now. Real weird. Stop! Neffel shouts and Longinus hits the brakes hard enough to make Adam cry. We're here! Cool. Now get back in the trunk. Kane says, getting out of the car. After how useful I was. Come on, Kane. You should at least take me with- Neffel stops speaking when he steps out of the car. He looks around the domain and his face pales. Uh, never mind. I want to go back in the trunk. Neffel floats over. Kane pops the trunk and he settles in. Weird. Kane slams the trunk. Yeah, right? Maybe I should stop using the spear? Yeah, maybe. 
what about rehabilitation? Euphiel stays in the car for a bit longer so that she can calm Adam down before joining the others. Class, that's your mission, not ours. The domain wasn't much. There are dilapidated buildings, overgrowth, and abandoned cars everywhere. Par the course for the Sin Squad. Kane was expecting a bit more from Jesus' domain. Didn't you have more divinity to work with on average? Unless he really was just running a soup kitchen where he handed out his divinity to anyone who found their way to him. You guys fight demons. How is facing Jesus and asking forgiveness scarier than that? Apologizing for anything is terrifying to me. Kane's focus on the conversation wanes and when he starts towards the least decrepit apartment, the others follow. The first few steps are fine, but then Kane feels a crunch beneath his foot. He looks down and finds a black feather. There's black feathers everywhere. He picks one up, examining it. Hmm. Uh, when did Raven's feathers become Jesus's aesthetic? Never. There's a ton of divinity radiating from this place, and none of it's like Mare Bears. Looks like she divinity to me. She? Euphiel's eyes widen. The mere mention of the word seems to throw Euphiel into a panic. She kisses Adam's forehead as she takes one of her halos and expands it in size. She lowers the halo over Adam and he disappears into it. A glow overtakes the halo as it transforms into a ring necklace that Euphiel puts around her neck and beneath her top. In the next second, she's summoning her guns. Judas raises an eyebrow and squints. Shed? What's this gotta do with sheds? Sheet. Morgan's people. Back when Kane was staking out Hagenti, he overheard a phone call where the demon mentioned a phantom queen, which when paired with their current surroundings led Kane to an upsetting conclusion. Dirt and feathers shoot up around the group when Euphiel flaps her wings. She flies into the building. Shit! Kane runs after her, summoning Ikor as he does. He can hear heavy footsteps behind him and calls out. Longinus, where'd she go? She's moving pretty fast, Kay. It's kind of hard for my old eyes to keep up. No chokes, please! Third floor. She's bolting from one room to the next. She's closing in on a divine signature. It's faint, though. Damn it! He hopes that the faint divine signature is anything but Morrigan. He's seen Euphiel achieve great things, but he's also witnessed firsthand what Morrigan is capable of. He's been hated by people in the past, sure, but the hate that he stirs in others was nothing compared to the murderous intent she could give rise to. By the time they reach the third floor, Euphiel's already made it into that last room, and according to Longinus, both she and the faint signature hadn't moved at all. Kane bursts into the room, shouting, Euphiel! As he does so, he expects to find her in the clutches of Morrigan, paralyzed by some kind of psychic attack, but instead finds her doubled over, not in pain, but what looks to be sadness. She's on her knees in front of a body, Jesus's body. Kane can tell that much from Euphiel's expression as he steps around her. Judas and Longinus enter, weapons raised, and come to a stop, just like Kane upon seeing Euphiel. Euphiel. Kane circles around. She's crying, but so much more than she was the day he confessed. Kane still hadn't figured out if she was actually the same Mary Magdalene or if she'd adopted the identity. But she sure cried for Jesus the way a friend, no, a lover wood. Judas's shoulders slump and he lowers his weapon. No, not again. That urge to protect swells in Cain. He flexes his fingers and Ikor fades away. Instead of stabbing or fighting through this beast before him, 
Kane approaches with his arm open and defenses down. He kneels beside Euphil and embraces her. Her wings curve around them and she sobs into him. Jesus, please, I should have. Kane runs a hand along the back of her head. He wonders if he's being gentle. He hopes he is. Hopes he's encouraging her to let it all out. Let's give them a minute. Longinus says, attempting to pull Judas out of the room. The young vampire doesn't go. He just pulls out of Longinus's grip and goes back to staring at Jesus' body. It's always hard telling what Judas takes seriously or not. But when he whispers, I, I never got to apologize. Cain doesn't doubt his pain. What was it about this guy that meant so much to people? He'd already died once before, but his passing still hurt those Cain was closest with. Was he really that great? If that's the case, then Cain wishes he'd had the chance to know him. Cain looks back at the body. Despite the deep gash in the center of his chest, he looks perfectly preserved. Cain can't discern how long he's been dead, and for a guy known for coming back to life after three days, that's a problem. What are you people doing? A voice slinks into the room, slow, quiet, and deadpan. Kane's attention snaps forward to the little girl standing in the doorway. Are you grave robbers? She's covered with bandages from head to toe. Her violet gaze pans across the squad, and her green dreadlocks graze back and forth as she stalks into the room. Accomplice is the first thing that comes to mind, so Kane summons Ikor. But then again, Euphil would advise against assuming the worst of people. So Cain lets Ikor dissipate. But Cain can't afford to be wary in a world where Jesus Christ gets murdered in his own home. So he summons Ikor. But she is a child, so he lets Ikor dissipate. But so was he when he killed Abel, so he summons Ikor again. I got this, guys. Longinus says, approaching the little mummy girl. Looks like someone is missing their mummy. Longinus waits, a dumb smile on his face. The mummy doesn't react at all. Listen, kid, this isn't a good place to be. It's, um, like a horror movie in here. I like horror movies. More like a crime scene. I like crime scenes. It's gruesome. Longinus kneels down in front of her. You really don't want to see this. He puts a hand on her shoulder. I like gruesome. She says, putting her hand on Longinus's shoulder. I want to see. I wouldn't be a very good father figure if I went and did that, young lady. <laughs> now come on. Bandages constrict around Longinus's mouth and limbs. The girl waves her arm and Longinus goes flying into a nearby wall. You are not my father. You are a stranger. I should not talk to strangers. The girl looks between each of them before pausing her sights on Jesus. Oh yeah, that's mine. Don't touch that. Yours? <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna shoot a kid. Yeah, mine. Don't touch it. It? Judas loads his crossbow. Yeah, I'm shooting this kid! Judas shoots the arrow at the mummy girl. She doesn't even try to avoid the attack. Her head snaps back from the impact of the shot and she slumps against the wall. No. Oh, oh God. Nice shot. Your aim's getting better. A loud groan accompanies the mummy's sudden movement. She rises up, both arms held out before her. 
Judas's arrow stabbed between her eyes. <coughs> Judas jumps back. He throws both his arms up and spreads his fingers. Nothing happens outside of the mummy girl shuffling toward him. What the? He steps back, she steps forward, and he throws his arms about. Kane steps before you feel Ikor position before them. What's up, Judas? Yo, man, I don't think this kid has any blood, and it is kind of freaking me out. Blood? She tilts her head. You're right. I don't have any. But you have plenty. Mind sharing? Bandages burst from her sleeves like a geyser and overtake Judas. He breaks into bats, but the wrappings are so abundant that they're able to wrap precisely around each vermin. Okay, screw the underestimating children BS. I'm cleaving the little zombie. Kane lunges forward but goes nowhere. He falls to the ground, a heavy weight around his leg. Fearing he might have already been bandaged, he checks to find a glowing halo around his ankle. What? She's still a godling, Euphiel says, sniffling. She drops her guns and they burst into light that return to the halos in her hair. I'll talk to her. Careful, Euphiel. She likes tying people up. So did Asriel. What? Let me know if I'm wrong. But you're an Egyptian goddess, aren't you? Euphiel asks, stopping on occasion to let the mummy examine her before taking another step towards her. You can just nod if you want. The mummy nods. I see. Wow, that's amazing. Kane doesn't understand how that's all that special, but whatever. You feels in her zone doing the archangel thing, so he'll just shut up for now. But we're really far from Egypt right now. I could help you get home if you want. Unless... this is your home. Again, the mummy nods. Then... was this your friend? She motions to Jesus. It takes a bit longer, but the mummy does eventually nod once more. <sighs> yeah. He was mine too. You feels close enough to touch the mummy, but doesn't. She keeps her hands up the entire time. Do you maybe want to talk about him? We don't have to talk about who did this. We can just talk about how close you were. Would you want to do that? I'd love to share stories about him. I have a lot of funny ones. What about you? Slowly, the bandages strangling Judas and Longinus loosen and both men fall out of the mummy's grip. A faint hissing overhead takes Kane's attention. A scarab beetle flies over Kane, past Euphil and onto the mummy's shoulder where it clicks and hisses. She looks at the beetle as if it were speaking to her. I have to go, she says with no provocation. She shuffles by Euphil and over Cain and pays one long look to Jesus before eyeing them all again. Thruth and Athena will be home soon. Don't move Jesus or else Thruth will smash you with her hammer, and Athena will. She stops, tilts her head, then nods. Lecture, you. The girl disappears from sight in a blur and burst of wind that leaves the bandages she left behind scattering around the room. As though she'd been holding her breath the entire time, Euphiel exhales. The glowing ring around Kane's ankle dims and he's about to get to his feet. He looks around at the wrappings, his friend, and the safe haven that wasn't anything like they expected it to be. It's all just a reminder of how messed up their situation on Midgard is. He could blame God. He could blame the demons, but none of that feels all that constructive right now. So instead of playing the blame game, Cain picks up Jesus' body. Yeah, we're taking him. 
God Complex is produced by Name Pending Creations, featuring music by Jeremy King, art by Zoe Cox, and the voice talents of Alan Winter, Jessica Rasheski, Andrew Boa, Gerardo Paz, Adoxographist, and Caitlin French. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the production, consider pledging to us at www.patreon.com npc. Every little bit helps in making the show better for listeners like you. Thank you.